Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hi there, and I'm so excited you've tuned into the Transformation for Success show today. I have a great guest in my studio today, and I want to give a big shout out to my local, national, and international listeners. So I'm just excited that I have Mr. Cameron Brown, an international keynote speaker high-performance and innovation expert, and he's just returned from delivering the closing talk at Italy's largest TEDx event. Cameron is so special, and I'm just so excited to have him. Cameron delivers multi-sensory experiences on stage, blending education with storytelling videos and live music on a grand piano. You talk about different? Well, this is different. Cameron has been featured in the media in seven different countries, and his online videos have reached well over one million people in 195 countries. And he's just getting started. You know, I want to pose a question to the listeners out there. How many of you really, deep down in your heart, feel you need a change in your life? You know it. And this morning when I got up, I realized we're in September. We have three more months before the end of 2018. So how many of you feel that you have not accomplished all of the goals that you listed in January? And are you feeling that life is just too hard and things are just not working in your life? Well, today we have someone who can provide some answers as he's going to share his incredible transformational journey and his discovery of the four steps to installing new rituals in your life for higher performance, both personally and professionally. So stay tuned. Don't leave your phone. Don't turn anything off. Stay tuned as you're going to hear Cameron Brown, who loves challenging what's possible and helping people achieve their full potential. And I want you to know, if you can't listen to the complete show, or if you have friends who are missing the show, tell them they can download, listen later on iTunes, or via voiceamerica.com, Empowerment and Women's Channels, because we're syndicated, and I want you to definitely get the show, and it replays 21 times through the week on Tuesdays and Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you've got questions today, you can call in because we're live in the studio, or you can Skype your questions at in Skype me at Dr. Period Barbara Young, or you can call in at one eight 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 three four six nine one four one. I'm sure Cameron would love to answer your questions. Or you can send me an email at info at transformationforsuccess dot com. Now let me get my to my guest. Hi Cameron <laughs> Hey Barbara, how are you? I am so fantastically wonderful today after Labor Day. Did you have a great weekend? I did have a great weekend. I, I'm, as you can probably tell, the the accent is is not from the US, so it was good being in the US for my first Labor Day weekend, and got to see some '90s bands in a place that was close by to me. So it was uh, it was really cool. Well, Cameron, I, I'm excited to have you on the show. In fact, you are my first celebrity speaker and pianist to be on the show. <laughs> there so, we go. I, I feel very honored and very special right now. 
Well, I love it because I know, you know, in, in looking at your background, uh, we share something in common in terms of I play piano and started playing at four. So we're going to talk about you. You've had this remarkable journey, and I'm just so pleased to have you share it. So tell us how it all began, because I know you were born and raised on a farm in Outback, Australia. <laughs> so share. You, you uh, do that pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I do. I think I do. I don't want to get started because I can't stop. I, I can't go back. <laughs> so you and your brother, you know, you grew up with a brother and you guys were making tunnels and marshmallow plants. I never heard of marshmallow plants. So anyway, tell us about uh, On This Farm in Outback Australia. Yes, grew, grew up in Outback Australia. Uh, amazing time there, looking back on it. and mm-hmm. but it, was, it was a pretty isolated place. I mean, I, I remember back in, in school, my final year of, of, me, of school, I uh, learned music as one of, the, one of the topics, and I chose mm-hmm. voice instead of piano for that year. And the way that I had to have singing lessons, because there was a problem, there wasn't a singing teacher anywhere near where I was living at the time. Mm-hmm. So I actually had singing lessons over the phone uh, with a person that was maybe nine hours drive away. So that was how I learned how to sing in, in uh, oh my going God. back a, a number of years ago now. Yeah, it was oh my before, God. over the phone. Over the phone. My age a little. There was no real internet. There was no real uh, the ability to have that. So uh, yeah, that was that was an interesting experience. But it was it was an experience of seeing how technology can actually be used mm-hmm. to allow us to experience things that we wouldn't have otherwise had the opportunity to experience. And I wasn't conscious about it back then. I just thought, ah, I can do that. And mm-hmm, it was something mm-hmm. that opened me up to, uh, to new possibilities. I look at it now, though, and realize it was one of my first examples of seeing how technology can actually be used for a really good thing. And so then as time went on, I, I moved to, to a big city and went through a, a decent amount of transformation for myself. And uh, there was one night in particular when it was a, it was a pretty... Uh, Devastating night, I will say. Uh, I was heard a neighbour screaming out from across the road one evening. This is going back in mid 2010, and and ran across with another neighbour and to find that a, a mother had just found her son had committed suicide earlier that day, wow. and that was a, mm-hmm. a, a shocking thing to hear through it, just through a, a fence, and to run through the house and out to the backyard and to see everything that happened directly after something like that has been discovered is. Uh, something that I'll never forget and, and can't even begin to imagine what that family went through. And mm-hmm. so after that, I, I went through a, a, a period of working out, well, how can I make a difference? Because there are people that need help. What are you doing about it? And I wasn't doing that much at the time. I mean, I had said that I wanted to be able to use music to make a difference and had said that I wanted to be able to inspire people, but was I really doing it? Mm-hmm. Nowhere near at the level that I, that I had dreamed of. And so a few months later, I enrolled in the first coaching course that I, that I enrolled in. And at that time, it was purely about helping people. And then as time has gone on, it's, it's become more about uh, people in business because seeing the direct correlation between, uh, between human behavior and, and business and, and really helping people to live extraordinary lives uh, business mm-hmm. is one part of that. Uh, but other areas as well, I think it's really important that we have been given a beautiful gift of life and to be able to capitalize on that is something that I love helping people do. Right. Well, you know, I know uh, a little bit about you, and I'm going to take you back because 
you started playing piano. I mean, I would say you were a child prodigy as a result, you know, with piano. Because, and I want to ask this question, Cameron. Uh, you started playing the piano at a very young age. Did you hear tunes in your head before you actually went to a piano? Did you hear tunes playing in your head? Mm, very good question. I have never been asked this question before, but I love it. Uh, I... It's been an interesting experience. So I can't remember right at the start whether there was music playing in my mind. Mm-hmm. However, uh, a number of years after I was, I'd been playing and I would be reading the music, I can barely read any music anymore, because I would read the music, but I could already hear how the music was meant to go in my head. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, why, why, do I even need, <laughs> why do I even need the sheet music? Now, that's kind of, I, I really wish that I had continued to learn that, but now I, I play it by ear, and there are absolutely, uh, there's almost always something going on in my mind, some kind of music, and sometimes it's by people, but most of the time it's something that's new and created out of, out of nothing. And uh, so that's, that's where that's gone. That's, like I said, a very interesting question, because I was only thinking the other day and talking with somebody a, a few days ago about how there, there's, there's music that's constantly flowing through me, and that's how I now create music. I allow the music to be written mm-hmm. through me rather mm-hmm. than written by me because the times I try to write a song, I, I'm really bad at it. <laughs> I, I'm trying to force something into existence rather than allowing it to come into existence through me. Uh, that's the way that I like to, like to see how I, how I create music and how I now create in other areas of my life as well. You know, I, I I was so intrigued by that because I know that you did learn to play by ear. And uh, as we had talked uh, once before, Cameron, uh, on a sidebar, sideline conversation, um, I told you that I started playing piano when I was four. And I asked that question because I remember as a very small child, maybe two or three, two, I heard tunes in my head. I heard, and so when I went, saw a piano, the first time I ever saw one, I went to the piano and I played Mary Had a Little Lamb, just picked it out. And so the, the playing by ear is definitely a gift. I No, it is a gift from God because that's why I asked you that question, because the music is just within you. It's almost like you have, you have been born with those tunes that are there and they're there to be played and in your instance, before the world, because that was a talent, definitely. So, when did you have your first piano? <laughs> when did you have your first piano lesson? Because you know you play by ear, but did someone encourage you to take music lessons so that you would be able to read music? There, there definitely was. So my my mum uh, put me through music lessons. Mm-hmm. I think I started. I was about eight. I think before mm-hmm. that. Uh, so I, I love that she did that and that I enjoyed the process and, and had a great teacher as well. Mrs. Richter, if you're, if you're listening in, then hello. I, I <laughs> love the stuff that we did together. <laughs> Before that, though, I, there, were piano, there was a piano in the house. There was also a piano in my aunt's house in another mm-hmm. location in Australia. And I remember, I don't know what age I was, but I had, uh, we did this co- a small concert one night and I had a bunch of nursery rhymes, I think they were, where I, and I learned how to play all of them on the black note. And that was something I was extremely proud of, of doing and, and being able to share with my, with my family. Uh, so we, yeah, we set up, it was like a little concert one night. So that, there, there were those experiences 
before those lessons, but when I was much younger, mm-hmm. that that had a po- that were positive reference points in how music can be a good thing to be able to express yourself. And so I think that that positive ref- those positive reference points early on made it a a really great and positive experience when I went to actually learn music as well. What happened um, that if you can share this that you walked away from the piano and stopped playing for two years. I did, yeah, yeah. Uh, it what, was a, what happened? <laughs> I came back from a piano lesson. Yeah, I came back from a piano lesson. This is about five years into learning, and I and I had already not really enjoyed the theory side of things, so the next stage was to really go deep into the theory uh, side with, with music. And, and then uh, there was a, a guy who probably wouldn't even remember this at all. It's, it's funny how we, we remember certain things that, uh, are defining moments in our lives. But for me, uh, I came back, I had this sheet music in my hand of a song, and I went to put it down into my bag, and the guy who was next to me when I walked back to my class said, oh, is, is, that, is that that song by this band? And it was like a cool band at the time, uh, rock band. <laughs> and, and I said, oh, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a different song. And the, the, I still remember like the look on his face. He didn't even say much. It was just a moment of my perception was it's not cool to be learning what I'm learning. And throughout that, I decided to quit. And I looked back at that time. It was two years that I went without learning piano or, or going to it at all. And I look back at it now and realize they were two of the most challenging years of my life. There were absolutely suicidal thoughts in there, so getting, getting to that point of, of not wanting to be here anymore. And I didn't mm-hmm. have those two up until only reasonably recently, realizing that I had for those couple of years chosen to try to fit into what somebody else's definition of what cool was. Mm-hmm. And in that process, I lost myself completely because I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. I didn't feel like I fitted in. I didn't feel like I was worth anything because the mm-hmm. very thing that made me feel alive, I felt wasn't good enough in other people's lives. And it wasn't until I was walking past, just walking past the piano one day, two years, around two years later, and I looked at it and thought, oh, I'll give that another go. And I went and sat down and then started playing and just playing for what I wanted to play rather than what somebody else said I should play. And soon after, I wrote my first piece of music, and that's been 17, 18 years now of, of writing that music. I am so appreciative that, that day I chose to sit down. I, I am, you oh, know, I wrote down a word, one word, uh, when you said that of how someone spoke to you that made you feel less than and that it wasn't cool. And I wrote the word derailment. Derailment. You know what that means? Yeah, derailment. Yeah. yeah so I, I would, that's exactly, I don't know why, you I know, that came to me. Because there was a plan it's for a, you, and that plan was not for you to go down the path. But I'm, But in a way... You got you got back. You are back, and I'm so happy you're here today because you can share that story of what happened. Thank you. And I, I I feel like that it's it's a good way of putting it. I feel the derailment becomes uh, the way I see it is that we're exposed in our lives to mm-hmm. different environments, different situations, different circumstances that mm-hmm. allow us to find where it is that we're wanting to ideally go, and to allow us to experience the contrast of life and mm-hmm. they're in, in these moments where there are challenging times 
Uh, for me, that was one of those examples of those times, which I look at it now as, I just definitely didn't look at it like this back then, but I look at it now as that was an opportunity uh-huh. for me to become the best version of myself, regardless uh-huh. of what was going on external to me. Right. And what a beautiful gift that has been, because now I'm able to create exactly what I want to create, still create value in the world, but create it on my terms. And I wonder if, if I hadn't had that experience back then, would I have the amount of strength that I have today? Because it's not only in the, in the lessons when we're going well, but often it's in the lessons when things aren't going well and those defining moments where we finally mm-hmm. break through that can have some of the biggest insights available to us if we're prepared to actually listen to them. Well, I, I want to thank you for sharing that because there have been min, millions of people uh, who have been derailed. I like that word and didn't realize it, but never went back to what was their original love. You happened to go back and, and, and maybe there things might have been different had you not been derailed. But we're going to talk about what happened when you begin to write songs, get recognition, when we come back after this quick break. So listeners, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Cameron Brown as we continue his transformational journey. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you left the cage that held you back but find yourself in the wild of your life wondering, what do I do now? I'm Dr. Lisa Cooney and today I'm going to give you the tools to answer that question. Regardless of the issue, your choices of the past no longer need to haunt you. You have the power to change that and to create from a space of fun and ease. How different can your life be? Find out. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back to join in with my discussion today with Cameron Brown, international keynote speaker, high performance and innovation expert, and he loves helping people step up to their next level of excellence and showing them what's possible when we tap into our limitless potential. So, Cameron, we're back 
to, after derailment, you go back to playing the piano. One day, it's magical for you. I'm assuming it's magical for you. And what happens? You begin to write songs. So tell us what happened next. You're writing songs. Wow, what an exciting time. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an amazing time for me to learn and understand myself at a deeper level. That's what, mm-hmm. especially the earlier earlier years of writing mm-hmm. music, I, I wrote them very much about the challenges I was going through. Mm-hmm. And it allowed me to uncover some of the things that I wasn't consciously aware of, uh, which mm-hmm. was truly amazing to be able to experience. And so as time went on, I, I really wanted to be able to help other people with my music, uh, to be able to inspire other people and, and, and to really use it as a, as a force for change. I, I still remember uh, when I, I played a gig one night back close to where I grew up, and it was a four-hour gig. And so it would start off with lighter music and then went, so this is back when I had a digital piano, and so by the mm-hmm. end of the night, everybody's drunk and uh, getting doing whatever they're doing and uh, having a good time. And all. Uh, but I got to the end of that night uh, with this crazy music by the end <laughs> of the night uh, where everyone's having a good time. And just thought to myself while everybody was out there, this is not the place where somebody's going to get a, a distinction from the music that I'm creating. They were going to come up to me after the show and say, man, I listened to your lyrics and they were amazing. I'm going to go write in my gratitude journal when I get home. That is not, <laughs> a, not the place for it. So it was a realization that the platform that I needed to use going forward wasn't going to be the normal place that musicians would go, which is, Playing down at a bar and and uh, <laughs> you know, doing that yeah. kind of those kind of shows, right. Right. and then as as time went on, I, I used online as the platform to be able to get the message out there, and a number of those songs went went very well. Uh, there's one that I wrote about bullying and suicide that's reached over 1.8 million views now, which has uh, been used in school projects and film projects in many many countries, which has just been phenomenal. And so realized again the realization that technology is a force and a vehicle that can allow you to amplify and allow you to open up the opportunities that wouldn't have otherwise been available to you. Um, So uh, that was where that next piece happened. And and then after the experience with the the woman uh, whose son had committed suicide, uh, I I went into that first class and knew that this was a missing link. Because while I'd been able to inspire people with music, I didn't really have the understanding of human behaviour as much as I do now. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like there was something missing for me really being able to break through and be able to inspire people. When I got into that room, that first that first session, I thought, I know, I know this is exactly where I need to be. To a point mm-hmm. where I called up during the first break and quit, quit my job. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I just knew that that was that was this was the road that I needed to take. Um, I had no idea <laughs> the next seven eight years of, of the. Uh, the challenges and everything else that comes with growing a business. Uh, uh-huh. But again, extremely appreciative for putting in the effort to, to make something happen and make a dream come true. What do you think were, were your most challenging experiences that started you on that road to look at inner self and personal development? Did you reach a certain yeah. point where you were into drugs, alcohol, or whatever, you know, and, and sort of spiraling downward? Yeah, I mean, there was, there was all of that. Like, there's been a number of, a number of moments. Uh, <laughs> one of 
you know, substance abuse where it got to a stage where I thought, surely there's got to be a way that I can do this and experience the uh, the positivity and the, and the ecstasy from uh, the, the in terms of a feeling without the need to use anything or uh-huh, to abuse uh-huh. anything. Uh-huh. And so that was that that still is uh, a constant mission of mine. So how can I experience it even more without those pieces in place? And so since it's been over seven years now, I've, there's been no no alcohol, no drugs, no coffee, no energy drinks, um, <laughs> eating a full <laughs> vegan diet. And uh, putting these pieces in place because of that that kind of that experience there. Then I would say the other probably big defining moments for me have been relationships ending, and I'm talking significant relationships. Uh, the not really knowing how to be emotionally available, and knowing that I had to work something out that something was was not right. And I knew that if I wanted to truly help people, I had to first help myself. Okay, and that's so important. when I went through into the <laughs> into the coaching course, I, I knew that I had to go through a massive amount of transformation of myself. And uh-huh. I, I went through that period. And, and I, the, the, the difference, I think, has been the implementation of that into my own life to be able to then pay it forward has been a massive point of difference uh, versus maybe some other people who go through the motions and don't really get to live and breathe it. Well, you know, um, Cameron, you made a very significant point that um, you helped yourself first. It was like knowing that you can't help anybody else until you first help yourself first. You can't give what you don't have. So you have to give to yourself first. And that's so profound. How did you come to that realization that, because, and the reason why I'm asking this, because I know there are listeners out there who are saying, yeah, right, but they feel like giving, they're trying to give before first giving to themselves. You know, you, you can empty out, but your cup is empty. And you, 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 nothing from nothing leaves nothing. Remember that song that was made famous in the world? Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. So how did you come to that understanding that I have to make this mark, I, a profound change in my life, and help myself? First up is realizing that there were gaps in, in what I was really wanting to experience. I... <laughs> Uh, from a relationship point of view, I wasn't able to be emotionally available, so I thought, huh, there's something to work on. <laughs> right? You're not, not being able to do that. So, uh, so actually being able to see by experiencing life and seeing some of the gaps, but, but also having having a point of reflection to be able to see some things that maybe aren't, aren't how I want them to be. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the other part to this, uh, and this is a book, this came a little later on, but I think it's really important what you just mentioned there, uh, there's, there was a book by a guy named Adam Grant uh, called Give and Take, and he, he talks about givers, matches, and takers. Those who give freely are the givers. Go to, they give freely without expectation. The matches are those who say, hey, Barbara, I'll, I'll give you this if you give me this in return. And then the takers are the ones that just suck, suck the absolute life out of you. Right, and right. The, what, what, early on in that book, it showed that the best performers were the givers, and the worst performers were the givers. Uh-huh. And I knew straight away, because of some of the training I went through, I knew straight away, I thought, this makes perfect sense. Because those who give freely, who are the best performers, are those who give freely without expectation, because they know that they're valued in the universe, and they know that they'll get taken care of in some way, shape, or form. They don't need it from this specific conversation. They don't need it from that relationship. They don't need it from giving to this specific person, because they know that they're going to get taken care of. 
those who are the worst performers, on the other hand, are those who give freely because deep down, unconsciously, they don't believe they're worth it. Uh-huh. So they give freely outward because they unconsciously don't believe they're worthy of anything in return, and they wonder why they get burnt out. They wonder why people take advantage of them. They wonder uh-huh. why they, that nobody is, is uh, giving back to them. And that's, a, again, a surefire way to burning out very quickly. And so realizing early on that I needed to become my own best friend, that's the way I look at it. Uh, in business talk, it's become your own best client. But in life talk, if you're not your own best friend, then you're going to have internal conflicts going on where uh-huh. the energy is being expended on uh-huh. your own challenges rather than being able to spend majority of your time on other people. And so if I, for those of you tuning in and those of you listening to, to this after, after the day, ask yourself that question. Am I my own best friend? Mm-hmm. Not only Good when question. Easy, but, when, but when something really terrible has happened, when you have screwed up something big time, are you still your own best friend? Mm-hmm. And if that, if that answer comes back anything other than a resounding yes, there is internal work to be done yet. That's right. Because even if you find that I've done something, I'm my own best friend, but I've done something that was considered not the best best thing to do, but it's learning to forgive yourself and move on because yeah. that's important. As a best friend, you forgive yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I liken it to uh, those who are their, their own best friend will support themselves when they're down and celebrate their wins when they're up. Those Absolutely. who are their own worst enemy are kicking themselves when they're down. And when they're up and they're winning, they're saying it's not going to last. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Cameron, for sharing that because I think that's so important. Um, tell me um, about this song. Now, you wrote a song, and I, I want to get back to this, how you became, I feel, I mean, to have a song and members of parliament write you about it. Tell me a little bit about that. And what was the song that you wrote? What was the name of that song? Was it the bullying song? Uh, no, that's going back a long time now. You, you've done your research. Yes, <laughs> yes, that. sir. Yes, uh, sir. Thank you sorry. very much. <laughs> <laughs> this was back in 2000. Oh, I think I was, I was maybe in grade 11 or 12. Uh-huh. I still remember opening the letter. Uh, I, had, I had entered into a state songwriting competition the first time I ever entered into into a competition, and it was a song called "Save This Moment." It was very much about relationships, and uh, I remember opening the letter and, and seeing that I that I'd come in in third place in the in the entire state for this uh, for this competition, this Young Composers Award, and was invited to travel from the small town that I grew up in to the to the big city uh, and perform it live on stage. And it was a, an amazing experience. To yeah to, to I think it was. Uh, I think this is actually important to share. Uh, looking back on it, it was it was an example of external validation. Yes, and which I which while, I while think you needed leader, at the time. You needed that at the time. <laughs> yeah, I, the way I, the way I see it is that it's so important to gain internal validation first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you need external validation to know that you're good enough, you're in for a really rough ride because right. you're going to be at the mercy of your external environment constantly. But having internal self taken care of first and going, I know that I'm really good at this, and then there's validation that comes externally, it becomes an added reference point to what I already had internally. So I already right. knew and had an idea that I, I, was, I was onto something. Like I, I realized that these songs and what I'm able to create 
these are actually pretty good. But then mm-hmm. you get actual external validation from uh, a, a very well-renowned competition in, in where I grew up. Uh, that was that was a great thing to experience, and I, I still remember opening that letter exactly where I was coming from the post office and sitting in the, <laughs> in the driver's seat of my car and opening up and just like being absolutely blown away. Um, and that, that's happened a, a number of times since in terms of that external validation, but I think those tuning in, keep in mind that internal validation has to come first because if you're relying on the external validation, as I mentioned, this is what's happening a lot with millennials and the reason why social media is so addictive is because I need the like, I need the comment, I need the share to know that I'm enough. I need mm-hmm. to know that that's actually, that, that's a makeup a part of my worth now. Get that met internally, and the external part, like social media, like a letter in the mail, whatever the external validation becomes, it's mm-hmm. an added bonus to what you already have going on internally. Well, I'm going to be talking to you offline, because you know, I started a project with millennials called Living from the Inside Out. And that's basically what it is. So, but I want to get back to you. (laughs) Tell me about the song you wrote, Close to the Edge. Wow. And was this about people, uh, I just want to ask, you know, pick your brain on this one, because that song, the release of that song and the reaction to it was just absolutely surprising. So tell me, how how did you come to that, write that song, Close to the Edge? This this song was actually, and it's another reason why it's a very very uh, meaningful song for me. It, mm-hmm. it, it it was one of the first the first songs that I started writing about other people. There was some parts of me in there, but not not really, um, especially not where I was at the time. Uh, but it was the song that I, I wrote that at the time or around time of the the suicide occurring that we talked about earlier, and and mm-hmm. so it was a. Uh, a writing of that song, I, I actually released it as a, I think it was a, just a piano version and mm-hmm. online, and I, I ended up taking it off and, and recording a full version, producing it all myself uh, with all the different different instruments on there. And yeah, within a, within releasing it again at a short amount of time, it started gaining a, a lot of traction, and and I think some of the I mean, it's a song about bullying and suicide, about the, the stages that happens when, when something like that occurs from the person's view of the person being bullied to the person who's bullying, to mm-hmm. the person who's actually looking on and, and seeing that there's much more to these patterns of behaviour than just somebody saying, hey, you're not good enough. That's, that's just the surface level piece. There's usually a lot going on underneath the surface and if we don't get mm-hmm. to the core of that, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. We're, we're just treating surface-level problems, and that's not going to create any kind of long-term resolution to this, uh, to, a, to a challenge that is worldwide. And so some of the most... Uh, I've, I love that I've experienced some amazing things in my life, but I don't know if anything can come close to mm-hmm. saying that a song that you created stopped them from killing themselves and saved their life. That... I- I, some I people that I probably will never get to see or, or hear from or, or actually uh-huh. meet in person potentially, somebody from a complete opposite side of the world. Wow, that is just, yeah, what words can't really put that into, into any kind of, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's just amazing. Well, you know, uh, it is amazing. Were you surprised at the reaction um, 
of its to its release? Were you surprised at all? Probably not, huh? Uh, Knowing you, Cameron, I you probably you, weren't surprised. I, I think you have a for me anyway. When I when I write when I write a new song, I usually have some kind of understanding that yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. Could, could you could would I be able to say, hey, your song is going to reach millions of people and it's going to reach 195 countries. It's going to be used in dance projects and there's going to be a marching band and there's going to be dance projects and small school projects and people that want to use the song in mini in documentaries. Uh, no way. <laughs> Not even close. There's no way I, know. I could have even made that up, right? Oh, that's uh, amazing. With, with, with one of the latest songs with people from 40 countries around the world. We might get time to talk about that. I'm not sure. But that, again, when I wrote that, I had no idea that it was going to go where, it, where it's going to go. And I, I find that this is where curiosity comes into it. If you can uh, go forth and create in the world and create things that you're extremely proud of, Okay. And then be curious about That's what great. it might actually look like when it goes out into the world because there's there's a lot of external factors. You're just one part of that coming to well, fruition. Truly, yes, Cameron. Create something great. Yeah. You are a gift. You truly are a gift. And we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with my guest, Cameron, and we're going to talk about the new rituals in your life. And he's going to share. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life, or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, thank you for tuning in again. uh, We are now uh, with my discussion with Mr. Cameron Brown, and we're so excited because Cameron has inspired so many people around the world with a lot of what he's doing through digital technology. And basically, he has also 
uh, we've been sharing about his uh, background, his transformational journey, and it's been so exciting, Cameron, to talk to you about it. And thank you so much for sharing. Um, there's so much to talk about. Well, we need two shows, really, <laughs> to go through everything. But uh, I want you to just briefly talk about the thriving collective that you started and what's its purpose. And then share with the listeners your four steps of installing new rituals in one's life for optimum performance professionally and personally. Absolutely. So the the Thriving Collective is very much about inspiring change in the world, about challenging what's possible and really allowing people to experience what they're really wanting to experience both from a business and a, and a personal point of view. Uh, mm-hmm. It's done through the keynotes that I deliver, multi-sensory experiences on stage where there's a grand piano and um, usually storytelling videos as well, which is just, Phenomenal to be able to to be able to experience that on stage. Uh, There's done through training and coaching that I do as well, and then through projects that demonstrate what I speak and coach on. So, um, for an, over an 18 month period, I back in early late 2016, it was I sold everything that I owned, and it was uh, embarked on this quest around the world to demonstrate how technology can be used to speed up and magnify our the rate at which we create change in the world. And it was a, a remarkable project that took me across uh, 10 countries, across four continents. There were more than a million people saw the videos. There was, I became a National Geographic Explorer out of it, closed out the, the closing talk at Italy's largest TEDx event. And to demonstrate that again, I, in the lead up to that, that talk, I, I secretly worked for four months, worked with more than 80 strangers from 40 countries around the world. They, uh, they all recorded one of the songs that I wrote last year while traveling in their uh-huh. part of the world. So we've got people in front of mountains and castles and rivers and ruins and all these other crazy locations around the world. <laughs> For my part, we actually transported a grand piano to a place called Garden of the Gods in Colorado, which is oh a beautiful gosh. rock formation with mountains off in the distance. We had a commercial drone videographer. We had a close-up video as well at sunrise. And we pulled that all together into this animated split-screen video that played on the big screen while I performed the song live on stage on a grand piano during the talk. And the beautiful thing about that was every single person involved on the video, the relationship was built through digital technology. Because I really wanted to demonstrate that while there's a lot of behavioural challenges that we're being exposed to with social mm-hmm. media at the moment, I wanted to demonstrate that technology isn't actually the problem, it's just pointing to it, and that we can use technology in purposeful ways to actually speed up the connection that we have and speed up the rate at which we create uh, remarkable pieces of art uh, and ideally create uh, solutions to the world's greatest challenges. So that's a, a little about about what's going on with the Thriving Collective and uh, I'm very excited about some, some future projects that will again demonstrate some of the pieces. And then you mentioned about the four, the four steps. I, I feel like this is, these four steps have allowed... Me personally, to install some great patterns of behavior, uh, both in business and in my life, within health is the latest one, uh, but it's also been absolutely instrumental for the success of my one-on-one clients, as well as those mm-hmm. that, I, that I speak to. And so it goes like this. The, the first step to me is that you've got to have some form of belief in your ability to do what it is that you're going to embark on. You don't need to know the answers yet, but there's got to be some level of certainty of, of backing yourself that you're going to be able to do something. Let's say it's going to the gym. If, if you don't believe that you're going to continue going to the gym, there's a chance after a week or two, you're going to stop going. 
yeah, when it gets a little little challenging. So you've got to have the certainty there that you're actually going to be able to do what's going to be required of you no matter what get, what you're exposed to. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. certainty of your outcome, but then the, the second part is having flexibility in your approach. Certainty of outcome first, flexibility in your approach second. If you don't have flexibility in your approach, let's just keep on the, on the health, health yeah. uh, journey right. here. Let's say somebody's uh-huh. going to the gym and they go for five days in a row and they're killing it. They're smashing it. They're just loving it, and they're getting they're getting every single time they're getting everything done done that they wanted to get done. And then the following day, something comes up at work. They get called in early, and they have to stay late. They're exhausted by the time that they have to come home, which means that they end up missing the session that they were going to go to. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens next is if somebody doesn't have the flexibility there. That is the, we did talk about derailment earlier. That's the derailment right there. It's, ah, see, I thought I could do it. And then all life happens, this happens, that happens. And I'm back to where I was. Well, let me give you. Get some junk food on the way home and they've fallen off the Mm -hmm. wagon and they're going back to the same pattern of behavior they had before. On the other hand, if you have flexibility in your approach, Mm -hmm. then life comes up. You say, okay. Well, I'm going to plan out. I'm going to go uh, tomorrow morning instead, and I'm going to make sure that I still get what I need to get done. For me personally, at the moment, like uh, health is health is a big one for me. I've been getting mm-hmm. work though done on my shoulders, and Monday is the day that I've been getting uh, getting some some work done with a with a, a specialist in that space. Mm-hmm. And that day was when I was doing two hours or two sessions, which are two hours at the gym that I go to. And mm-hmm. I then looked at and thought, right, how am I going to make up those sessions throughout the week? So I was planning ahead. I was flexible in my approach. If you're not mm-hmm. flexible, you will get caught up in the, in the day-to-day life. The only reason when flexibility won't be important is if you're in a controlled lab environment, which is never going to occur in day-to-day life, right? Stuff happens, right. family happens, business happens. So flexibility in the approach. We've got two so far. Certainly your outcome, flexibility in your approach. Now, once you've been going, let's say, to the gym, um, but again, you can use this in your business, in life, wherever it is that you are wanting to focus on right now, you're wanting to build in reference points for how you are living and breathing this new version of yourself. What this, start, what this gets you to, to be in the place of is having a level of understanding that you are moving and not just thinking about moving, but you're actually doing something. So this, an exa- great example of this is, let's say you're walking past the mirror two or three weeks later, and you go, huh, you're looking all right. Uh, you know, I, have you been working out while? Yes, I have. <laughs> you're talking to yourself, right? <laughs> that reference point internally first and foremost. Then somebody else might uh, say at work or your, your, uh, your husband or your wife, for example, say, honey, you're looking really good. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. if you've got the internal, this is where internal validation has to happen versus external validation first. Because if you've got internal validation first of these reference points, then your wife says, hey, have you been working out? Well, yes, I have, actually. I've been working Uh out and I've been going for a few weeks now. Versus husband or wife says, hey, you're looking really good. And in turn, you go, "Uh, yeah, I've been going to the gym for a few weeks now and it hasn't really been working. I haven't really noticed anything yet. Because you're deleting out anything that could be you moving to the new version of yourself. This, this is the part where a lot of people get derailed as well. The second step is where a lot of people fall off the wagon, which is why 
New Year's resolutions hardly ever work. Uh-huh. But the third part of building in these reference points and internal reference points first and foremost, that is absolutely vital for it becoming part of who you are. Now, the, this is the final step then, is it becomes now part of your identity. So this is the constant reinforcement of the reference points for how you are doing something differently. When you reach to this fourth stage, it no longer becomes what you do. It becomes who you are. That's uh-huh. a really important distinction between step three and step four. Uh-huh. Three, you're still doing the things that need to be done to become who it is that you're wanting to be. Step uh-huh. four is you've actually truly and wholly become that, and it would feel weird not to go to the gym. It would feel weird not to follow up with that client. It would feel weird not to say to your husband or wife that I love you because it's part of who you are now, and that is where you're wanting to get to. But most people will fall off. This is why habits hardly ever stick for a lot of people uh, because they're trying to change their patterns of behavior, but they're not changing the underlying current of behavioral patterns uh-huh. that allow them to get the results that they're actually wanting to experience. They're the four. And boy, if you, if you, any of you just take that away from today, that can play and, and pay massive dividends in, in the rest of this year and going into the next year as well to ensure that the things that you're actually wanting to experience in this lifetime, that you actually get to experience them. Not only do you get to experience them, but they become who you are. And I think that's just a beautiful thing to be able to do. This is great. I'm going to sort of recapture what you said because I wrote it down. The first step is believing. Uh, Believing with certainty that you can do it. (laughs) And... um, Number two is flexibility in your approach. Uh, And I thought of this, and I wrote uh, diet. What happens when you start on a diet? You believe you can do it because that's why you started in the first place. The flexibility comes in because as soon as you go on a diet, what happens? You get invited to a massive luncheon or you get invited to a luncheon with a very important boss or very important people that you can't not go. And so what happens? They're having chicken or they're having, uh, and you say, well, I'll just eat this. But you have to be flexible and say, okay, I will have lunch. I will eat the salad or I will eat whatever, but I'll go right back to it the next day. And I'll begin to look closer at luncheon appointments in the future. Am I right? I'm on the right track, Cameron? You are are spot on. I think the part where I mentioned earlier in, in our conversation today about becoming your own best friend. That Mm -hmm. part right there that you just mentioned, Mm -hmm. that is a critical part of being your own best friend. Because on one hand, you go to that dinner and you come out the other end and say, ah, you idiot. You said you were going to go on this diet and within one day, you get invited to this thing and you are worthless. There's no chance that you're ever going to be able to change this. That's one end. That's the worst enemy. The other Mm -hmm. end is, it was a great time. You know, I enjoyed myself. Yes, I did this. Now let's jump back on. Let's make sure that it's going to happen. And what can I learn from this for the next time that something like this occurs to uh-huh. ensure that I've got a number of options available to me to get my better outcome? Kicking yourself when you're down versus supporting yourself when you're down. So, you're, yes, you're spot on. So, number three, you talked about reference points. And there have to be internal reference points as well as external reference points. 
So the reference points for you would be, okay, in two weeks, wow, somebody at work said, gosh, Barbara, ah, uh, looks like you've lost a little few pounds, girl. Yeah, and I'll go, yeah, wow. I go look in the mirror. You know what? I believe I am. <laughs> I'm actually moving towards my goal. Okay. And I believe, for me, I believe in saying the words, speaking out loud, the actual uh, success, because words have power. I'm totally, totally with you. <laughs> I think if anyone came into my home, they'd almost want to put me in a mental asylum because of the amount I talk to myself. <laughs> I love it, though, because it's... Uh, it's yeah, and you can actually look in the mirror and say, you know what, reference point, I'm doing it. I am doing it, and this is great. Number four works into uh, who you are, because now I am learning to eat right. I don't even like that meat. I don't like steak anymore. I'm now at that point where I've been on this eat right program so long that now it's a part of me, because that's how I eat now. That's what I see that you said. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's a, a beautiful summary, and I think that that final part of of there's got to be time, and this is why the constant building in of reference points is what leads to that that form of identity. It becomes part of your identity versus something that you're doing. So um, that you know, if, if you as the listeners can like, so take away those four steps and look at one area of your life and find a way to implement that you'll be able to see how it simply patterns of behavior that are holding you back from getting what you want. There's nothing wrong with you. Uh, there's nothing like that going on. It's simply that there are patterns of behavior that are, are keeping you from where you're ideally wanting to go. And if you can learn how to utilize those mm-hmm. same patterns of behavior to get the actual outcomes you want, all of a sudden you are living in an ultimate empowerment stage of your life, which is just fantastic. I think it is so, you know, it's just, this has been such a, uh, to me, a moving discussion today um, to learn how to become that person who performs, has optimum performance personally and professionally. And I just want to thank you so very much for sharing your life's journey today and being so transparent. So, Share with me really quickly. We have one minute left. Oh, my God. Sometimes, you know, I can't. We got to go. We got to go. But you know what, Cameron? I want to have you back. I just have one class thing. Ask you, how was it giving the closing talk in Italy at its highest attendance ever given for a TEDx talk? One word. What was it for you? One word is remarkable. It was remarkable. Well, I want to thank you for the work that you do to enhance the lives of so many people. I just wish we could have heard your There Is Still Time on your grand piano, but maybe another time and place. And I want to wish you continued success in all of your endeavors. And it has just been a pleasure to have you on the show today. So as I close the show today, listeners, I want to wish you a joyful and blessed week. And remember, you can step into your next level of excellence with the four steps he gave today. Just do it. So thank you for listening. And this is Dr. Barbara Young signing off until next week when you'll have an interview with Miss Cookie Johnson as she chairs her transformation journey of success as wife of a famous athlete, mother, and entrepreneur. So stay tuned. I'll see you next week. And Cameron, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Have an outstanding week.